Good morning, my friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to Morning Glory, our midweek Bible study. Let's take our Bibles and go way back to the back of the Bible just before the book of Revelation. And let's go to the little epistle of Jude. And we're going to begin there today. And we're going to talk about faith force. Woo! Praise the Lord. Today's message, trust me, will get you off of your launching pad and you'll be airborne. Praise God. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come bringing the illumination that we need to walk in the truths of your word, in the principles of your kingdom. Now, Father, we know that we can't please you without faith. So let our faith be alive, let it be active, and let us follow biblical protocol for biblical results. Now, Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. The book of Jude, which only has one chapter and verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, there is the statement of contending for the faith. Why today is it important for us to contend for the faith? Well, it's very important because faith is actually the devil's number one target as he launches various attacks against the life of a believer. His number one attack and his number one target is always against the faith of the believer. And we see this very clearly, even in the words that Jesus spoke to Simon Peter that we can take a look at now in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, this will be Luke chapter 22. Luke 22 and verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Strengthen your brethren. Now, here's the thing. The attack of Satan was to come against Peter primarily because he is, uh, the, you know, out of the 12, he's the lead apostle. And so if you can take him out, you can wreak havoc amongst the others because he's the leader. And so that's really the man that Satan is targeting. And what's he trying to do? He's trying to destroy the faith of the man. And that's also what the enemy tries to do against us today. That's why we must contend for the faith. Praise the Lord. Now, faith is our only guarantee for victory and the various battles that we face and that we encounter in life. It's our only guarantee. What is your faith? This is why it's so important that we understand what it is and that we use it and that we use it biblically correct. You know, you could take a sword and uh, you can use it the wrong way. You may uh, achieve something good 
or you may maim or injure somebody. You know, I told the crazy story one time of uh, years back when I used to compete in martial arts and, uh, you know, you have, you have sparring and then you have uh, various forms and then sometimes uh, some of the events have weapons. But in the weapon events, uh, unless it's in a very closed, controlled environment, you don't demonstrate or, you know, perform or do your routine with a real sword <laughs> because I've seen, uh, you know, the fake, the fake stuff go flying off, you know, leave somebody's hand. It's just like in professional baseball, the batter swings. There had been a few times the bat has left the hand and it goes, it goes flying. That's not intentional. It just happens sometimes. Well, imagine that with a sword and you have people, even children close by, it, it could be lethal. Well, one time there was a young man, he was performing his sword routine and he was really into it and just swinging as hard as he could and exerting such effort and sweating profusely. And uh, one of the judges got up and stopped the whole thing, stopped him. And, you know, everybody's looking and the judge walks out, uh, you know, onto the competition, uh, you know, mat and says, let me see your sword. And he looks at it and it's not a replica uh, with a dull blade, you know, what, you know, safety features baked in. No, it's a real, it's a real sword. It could take, take your whole hit off just like that. And he's, that guy's out there swinging this thing, you know, and he's, he's maybe, uh, only 18 years old <laughs> and he's swinging that like he's a grandmaster. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, one of the instructors said, Oh, Oh no, you can't, you can't do this with a real sword. And you, cause the, the, the judges, which are all, all, you know, martial arts instructors, they're all sitting about 20 feet away in front of this guy, kind of like a board of directors, you know, and they're just feet away from this guy while he's swinging this with all of his might. <laughs> so, so we want to use our faith in a very biblically effective way. Mm -mm -mm. We're going to talk about that today because again, faith, faith is the only guarantee that we have to achieve victory in every challenge that we face in life. Let's see the classic verse concerning this, which is found in 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory. Now, I know if you're watching today, you don't like failure. You don't like defeat. Who does? You want victory, okay? So this is for you. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Mm -mm. Here's the problem, though. A lot of Christians, uh, Bible-toting, uh, you know, uh, good, sweet, Jesus-loving Christians, don't really understand what faith is. They think they do, but many times they have a religious uh, idea of what faith is, and therefore they can't get it to work in their lives on a consistent basis. So we want to know what it is, how it works, why. This is what guarantees victory. Victory is not luck or just wild chance or something like that. No, these are biblical principles that we can work. Praise God. Now, we also understand from Scripture that faith is our stronghold against all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Yes, he shoots the arrows of doubt and unbelief. He's real good at shooting the arrows of circumstances. You know, you, you get, 
you get the news at the worst possible time. You, you, something happens and uh, the circumstances seem to line up in a very negative way. And then he says, oh, it's not going to work for you or it's not working at all. And what, what's going on? Uh, they're, they're arrows of doubt and unbelief, but they're on fire from hell itself. And so what do we do? What does God's word say to do? Again, we go to the scriptures this time to the book of Ephesians chapter six, and let's read verse 16 above all taking the shield of faith. See the shield of faith mm-hmm. with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's how you deal with all of these adversarial conditions that are in the earth. You deal with them through the mighty shield of faith. And I have to let you know, and I I know that this is very upsetting to some Christians, but I have to let you know that the enemies of the Lord, as of yet, uh, their time to be taken off the earth has not yet happened. And the new, uh, the, how can we say the, the kingdom of Jesus ruling over the world has not yet been implemented, but we are told rule in the midst of your enemies. So I have to let you know the truth. Uh, you do have some enemies. There are those out there that are very evil and vile. There are people in, even in politics that would like to just exterminate all people of the Christian faith. But you know what? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Pastor Stephen, we need to get rid of such people. No, the Lord doesn't promise to get rid of them. Uh, he promises that you can rule in the midst of your enemies. How? By faith, that's how you do it. And, you know, eventually they are going to be gone. The meek will inherit the earth. We will have the fullness of our day. But, you know, the thing that our enemies have to also understand is that we're not going anywhere either until our assignments are complete. We're right here. And right in the midst of all the stuff that the devil would try to do, we are still flourishing. We are still moving forward on kingdom assignment, and the kingdom of God is increasing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. And we are prevailing by faith. That's where the victory is at. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the subject of faith cannot be overemphasized, and the body of Christ must be grounded in the faith. What's my number one assignment? Well, I I shouldn't say assignment. What's my number one goal? Make heaven. Uh, Number two, take as many people with me as I can. And that's also the ministry assignment. We all make heaven, okay? And we take um, as many people along with us as we can. Praise God. But we have to understand also, while we have an evangelistic heart, we have to understand what do you do after you've been evangelized? What do you do after you have been born again? You must get grounded in the word and predominantly that means get grounded in faith. Praise God. Now in the book of Acts, we see that faith is recognized, even identified in a sense as being the very substance of Christianity. Look at the way they talked. Look at this in the book of Acts. I really like this. Acts chapter six, verse seven then the word of God spread. And that's what we're endeavoring to do as well. Then the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests 
were obedient to the faith. Did you notice how they called the born again experience and accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, Jesus, Yeshua of Nazareth, they, they called it, they were obedient to the faith. Wow. So they are using the term faith to even denote the entire Christian experience. Mm-hmm. And I like that also, the, the, um, the understanding that the priest, okay, so the priests were the ones working at the temple. Now they didn't all work at the temple at the same time because there were thousands and thousands of thousands of priests. Not only, uh, you know, you, you had a whole bunch that lived in Jerusalem because, you know, there's a lot of activity going on at that temple there, but you had the priestly cities where many of the priestly families lived at. And so the very fact that the word is being taught, particularly in Jerusalem and the Jerusalem priests are hearing it. And they're like, you know what? This totally lines up with the Bible. This totally lines up with the Torah. Yeah, we can see that. Why? They're the ones working at the temple. They understand blood sacrifice, its purpose. They understand, oh, so even the pieces of furniture in the holy place and all of these things surrounding temple activities, oh, it's all pointing to Jesus. And it just all began to make sense. And they're, they're coming to the Lord quickly, quickly. But it's through the teaching, preaching of the word. Praise God. So we see the importance here, again, of the subject of faith, because the salvation experience of coming to Christ is even called uh, by the expression, they were obedient to the faith. Mm -mm. All right, so let's consider the following very important uh, values of faith. Number one, we are saved by faith. You're saved by faith. You can't get to heaven without it. So for that alone, we should know something very uh, uh, ground-rooted level about it. And next, we stand by faith. If you want to uh, just keep moving forward and be in the right position, you stand by faith. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24. We also walk by faith, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And I like it that we walk by faith, and as Paul said, and not by sight. In other words, your life was never designed by God to be governed by the five physical senses. That will get anybody in trouble if that is their lead and guide. But we are to be governed and walk how? By faith. By faith, of course, in God's Word. Now, we are healed by faith. We are healed by by faith. I'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. We also overcome by faith. Just as we saw earlier, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, that Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Okay, since we live by faith, it is therefore easy to understand that if this is how we're supposed to live, if we're not doing it, we're going to be dead in the water. We're going to have a lot of uh, stagnant experiences in our life. We're going to have a lot of like hit the pause button for a long period of time. But if you want to hit the play button, then you live, function, act, and behave and think with faith. Praise God. Now, let's consider a little bit today, what is your faith worth? Well, it's actually priceless because your faith is what carries you into your glorious destiny. Now, I know that your destiny, this, this recipe of 
goodness of incredible stuff that God bakes up and cooks up for every person uniquely. Everybody has their own glorious destiny. And I know that anybody would value that, but you have to understand it's your faith that takes you into that. You're never going to get your destiny fulfilled without faith. So your faith therefore is priceless because it is what carries you into a glorious destiny. I think we can see a good example of this in the Paul, in the writings of the apostle Paul, Romans chapter eight. Let's take a look at it. Romans chapter eight, verse 29. Praise God. I'm so glad that you're here today studying God's word with me. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter eight. Now verse 29, for whom he that would be God, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified, 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 not stuck them down in the mud, not pushed them off of a cliff and said, just figure life out on your own. No, all of these amazing things that God has, has done for us and sees as uh, being intricately a part of our lives because of us being in Christ includes a glorification. These he also glorified not mudified. God didn't smear mud all over you. No, that's the devil. He glorified. I'm telling you, the, the destiny that God has for you is not minute. It's glorious. Woo. Praise God. That doesn't mean it has to be something where, you know, um, uh, it's something in a sense that's, you know, larger than can be. Um, there's something about even maybe we call it like boutique destiny. It's not so much even the size, it's the, it's the quality of it. It's you, it's what God has for you, and, it's, and it thrills your heart, praise God. But see, you're, you're never going to get that fulfilled without having a good understanding of faith, praise God. So, and this is something that's important. Ephesians chapter 8, uh, let's take a look at it just for a moment. Oh, actually, there is no chapter 8 in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. <laughs> Ephesians 2. Let's turn over there. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2. Praise the Lord. And verse 8. Let's take a look at this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. That means faith is what ushers you into your glorious destiny. Why? Because destiny only truly begins at salvation. Wow. Okay. So now we're starting to get a good understanding of the value of your faith. Mm -mm. And let me say this, this goes very contrary to the ideology, which is wrong of the world system outside of Christ, you are not a child of destiny. Hmm. You're not a child of destiny. 
you may think that you have a destiny in a sense where you envision yourself doing something or this or that or the other. But so often, uh, actually, consistently, that's all self-glorification. But the moment you come to Christ and give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you now, for the first time, have become a child of destiny. Because trust me, your destiny 100% is tied up in God, not in you, not in yourself, no matter how noble your family may be, no matter how bright and intellectually gifted your family may be, there is no true destiny for anybody unveiled outside of Christ. It's all in Christ or it's all for nothing. What does it profit if a man gained the whole world and quote, fulfills his destiny yet loses his own soul? Mm, wow. Okay. Salvation. Okay. And then we come into that by using our faith. We're saved by grace, but it's through faith. Okay. So use the faith, come into it. Now you come into the potential to see your destiny fulfilled because you're in Christ now. And now you've got to use that faith towards seeing everything accomplished. Praise God. So faith also, as we said earlier, guarantees our total victory, complete victory. Wow. This is amazing. Let's take another look at it. Let's go back to it. It's so good. First John five, four for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Thank you, Jesus. Mm -mm. Every problem in this world. And how many of you know, there's many, but every problem in this world answers to the authority of Bible believing faith. It does. Pastor Stephen, are you sure? Yep, because this is true. This is true. Faith is worth your total victory in the different conflicts of life. So your faith has uh, inestimable worth. You can't, you can't put a price tag on your faith. It's what's going to help you get over any challenge or difficulty facing you. And I know that some of you have some pretty uh, challenging things in front of you. Pastor Stephen, how do I go forward? God's going to show you how, and in the process of it, your faith will be online working to see the route of deliverance, the means through which God is going to do it. He can do it a million different ways, but he's going to work with your faith as you're working with him. Praise God. So let's take a look. Since we're back towards the back of the Bible a little bit more than often today, let's go to first. Uh, oops, we just did that one. Let's go over to Third John. There we go, Third John. All I have to do is turn one page, and, and I'm there. Third John, verse two. As we are uh, working around these areas of faith force, and also the value of faith, and your glorious destiny. Look at verse 2, the third epistle of John, verse 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper. Oh, Pastor Stephen, don't read it. My, my denomination doesn't agree with it. Well, um, you need to agree with God's word, or you're going, to, you're going to be hurting somewhere in your life. You're going to be working. Let me say this. Your faith cannot go beyond the word. It's not going to work for you if it's trying to have something fuel it that's not the Word of God. If the 
automobile manufacturer says your vehicle runs off 86 unleaded and you say, oh, I can put maple syrup in there, Pastor Stephen. It, it's still liquid and, you know, it's kind of thick. It'll burn. It'll burn just fine. No, no, you can't feed it on that. Okay, so we must work with the word, which of course is good. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. If you don't believe that, and if you don't accept by faith what God has made available for you, then trust me, life has a way of stress testing our bad decisions. Mm -mm. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, it is true that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Of course, it's all tied up in him. Amen. So let's consider something very important today. And I want to say this from the heart. God is not playing some kind of a cosmic game with you. If you're having defeat in some area of your life, that's not God trying to teach you a lesson. That's the devil messing you around and having victory in you in that particular area because of something most often that you don't know of what to do in order to stop him. But it's not God back behind the scenes with a, a veil drawn, laughing and giggling as he and the, as, and the angels look down and watch you struggle and they all think it's funny. No, no, no. God has nothing but victory in store for you. That's all he has planned for you is a glorious future, not a defeated future. Mm -mm. Let me say that God is not behind any failure that you may be going through. God is not the author of any form of frustration or anxiety that you may be going through. Please don't let the devil hoodwink you like he did Job. And Job, you know, writing the book of Job is uh, just pouring out his, his frustration of not knowing how to deal with this situation because he the whole time thanks God is doing it to him. Yet the Bible says that the devil is the one that smote Job. God didn't strike him and, and, stri and strike him down. That's the devil that did all of that to him. And the whole time Job is sitting there. Now, now he didn't curse God. He still kept his allegiance to God. He still kept his love to God. And he hung in there despite not understanding of what was going on. But I'm telling you, the devil had him in the dark the whole time because uh, Job thought this is God doing this to me. And it's not God at all. It's the devil. It's the dirty devil doing all of that stuff. Your frustrations are not from God. They're from the enemy. Praise God. So let there always be a faith reaction that rises up in you, a biblical faith reaction that rises in you anytime Something tries to merge its way into your life that's not in this book. Mm, mm, mm. Can you believe I was actually so stupid uh, decades back that when I asked a pastor, you know, hey, you know, all of these bad things are happening to me. Uh, this is really all this stuff is going on negative. And he said, Brother Brooks, that must be your Job experience. Can you believe I was stupid enough to agree 
with him on that, that I, that, that with having, I think at that time I owned three Bibles while owning three Bibles, I did not have enough illumination to go to God's word and read the third epistle of John verse two. Can you imagine what would have happened if that pastor would have pulled his Bible out that was telling me that I'm having a Job experience and just cooperate with it, which meant, in essence, cooperate with the devil. Uh, can you imagine if he'd have pulled this Bible out and said, hold on, Brother Brooks, let's put the brakes on here. The enemy's obviously launched an attack against your life. Let's use God's word to um, stop this attack and see a turnaround, get a breakthrough, get you back on track, get you back into the blessing. Mm -mm. But see... He was a good man, a godly man, and actually uh, an anointed man. He could really preach, but he and the church and the predominant part of that denomination had no light on this scripture. Beloved, I pray. What if he would have read that to me? Look, Pastor Brooks, look, Brother Stephen, this is not God's will for you because uh, uh, go, go, go and have a, a horrible experience and get wiped out by the devil. Here's God's will right here. It's revealed in Scripture. Let's read it together. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in hell just as your soul prospers. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. My friends, it's time to use your faith to uh, counteract all of the crazy stuff that the devil would try to say, just go ahead and take the poison. No, I'm not taking the poison. Amen. If he wants to drink it, he can drink it. Amen. If others want to drink it, that's up to them. But we're not going to drink the lies and the deception. We're going to walk in the illumination of God's word and enjoy what? Victory. Mm -mm. And the fulfillment at the same time of our glorious destiny, walking it out step by step by step until we get to the very end, cross the finish line, and we checked off and did everything God called us to do. Mm -mm. Now, here's a fascinating scripture. Let's go over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Sometimes uh, this verse gets misunderstood, um, misapplied to the wrong group of people. Let's take a look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Yes, Pastor Stephen, everybody on the earth has a measure of faith. Uh, no, that's not what that said. And that is certainly not the case. The only ones who have a measure of faith are the children of God, the believers. But Pastor Stephen, it says that God has dealt to each one, each one a measure of faith. Let's read the whole verse again. By the way, that always usually helps solve a lot of the, uh, seems like the uh, dilemma of uh, a scripture wrongly taken. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, to everyone who is among you, who is Paul, the apostle writing to the Christians, the church, not the sinners. He's writing a letter to the church where, of course, in Rome, we know that that's why the book is called Romans. Pastor Stephen, I've graduated today. Yes. Amen. We're doing good. The, he, yes. He's writing to the Christians in Rome. And he says to everyone who's among you, not to the unbelievers, to everyone who is among you, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Okay, so God has dealt to each Christian, to each believer, a measure of faith. Now, of course, you start out with the measure. You start out 
You start off with what God gave you. We all got the same measure. And then, boom, start to use it, start to exercise it, start to build it up. And you realize, wow, this, this is supernatural. And it is. This is supernatural faith. So that brings us to a good question. What actually is faith? Well, faith is a supernatural spiritual force. And I think if you can grab that, that's going to help you to realize the value of what you actually have. Uh, it's kind of like um, going to a top secret laboratory where they have a lot of the rare earth elements, uh, plutonium and uh, uranium and being able to go in there and just get whatever you need. Okay. This is, is in sense what you're carrying, uh, something of tremendous power. Faith is a supernatural spiritual force. Now, we don't really know the recipe of what the U.S. government, you know, cooks up in their labs when they create these nuclear reactors and put them on a submarine, put the whole reactor on a submarine, or put the whole reactor in the very center of the, you know, big aircraft carrier. We don't really know. It's, of course, it's very top secret. Um, what actually are the various elements that's in that nuclear, you know, material. But we're told basically by scientists that it's uh, elements of uranium and plutonium. And although it's top secret, we're also told that really what's powering that gigantic aircraft carrier with 5,000 people living on it and the thing weighing millions upon millions of pounds sitting there in the water, yet being propelled through the water, sometimes at 30 miles per hour, or as they say in nautical terms, knots. But the truth is it's all being powered and moved by a piece of nuclear material the size of a golf ball. So that's power. That's what I'm saying about your faith. You've been given a measure and you take that measure and what did it, what is it? It is a supernatural spiritual force. And trust me, when you use it the right way, things start moving out of the way and things start getting done that need to get done and things that need to show up start showing up. So we need to know how to operate it properly. Mm -mm. Let me say also that with faith, this is not an intellectual or psychological force. Although you can build your intellect up to, uh, amazing degrees. And we should endeavor to stimulate our minds. But faith is not of the intellect. Faith is of the heart. Faith is spiritual and it's in the heart, not the intellect or the psyche. Praise the Lord. All right. Let me see if I can uh, continue to open up the definition of faith. It is a supernatural spiritual force. Faith is we could also see it as being a living force received from the living word that produces living proofs. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go through it again. Slow. Faith is a living force received from the living word that produces living proofs as in, whoa, there it is. Yes. We're not playing game stuff. This is not imaginary. Oh, you know, no, we're talking about real proofs 
from the real God obtained through real faith. Oh, hallelujah. And it will work for you if you will work it according to the biblical way. Mm -mm. Some of you are about to have some epic breakthroughs concerning your glorious destiny. You're about to knock the ball out of the park. Hallelujah. God's ready. God's ready just to swing the bat through you as you swing. Praise God. You're going to knock the ball out of the park. Praise God. Mm -mm. I have a feeling over the next 90 days, I'm going to receive some very, very unusual miracles uh, through your emails here at this ministry of what God is doing in your life. I really believe that. Say amen. Mm -mm. Again, faith is a living force received from the living word that produces living proofs. Let's look at a great example, classic example, actually. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew 9. Let's begin, actually, in verse 20. We're going to read through uh, verse 22. Verse 20. And suddenly, a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only, if only, excuse me, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith, your faith has made you well. Now let's look carefully at what happened here. The woman received healing power, or virtue, as the King James Version calls it, which is a type of power, okay? The healing, excuse me, the woman received healing power from Christ, the living word, which produced a what? A living proof. Mm, what is this? This is faith in action producing whatever you need. <laughs> whatever you need. Woo, praise God. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want to say something now that I think in some scenarios could be the missing, the missing equation for some in this area of how faith works and produces. So let me say this. Faith is not just believing. Uh, believing is critical. That's, that's a huge part of it. But let me say that true Bible faith is not just believing. And we can see a phenomenal example by looking at the life of Abraham. Please go with me this morning. Genesis chapter 12. And let's start in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, so the Lord said, and he, of course, Abraham is hearing this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is what a lot of Christians would do if they were Abraham. Oh God, I believe it. Lord, I believe you're going to bless me to be a blessing. God, I believe it. Lord, I believe it. But watch. Abraham. Now we have to have the Abraham type of, of faith that, that has, that has fullness. Now watch this verse four. 
So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Oh my goodness. Wow. This is incredible. Faith is not just believing. Faith is obeying God to prove that you believe him. Did you catch that? In other words, it's, it's, you must believe, but it's not just believing. Faith is also obeying God and it's the believing and the obeying, particularly the obeying that proves you actually believe God because without the obeying, it can just be talk, 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 but no, no, you have to believe and obey. Get out of your country. Okay. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That revelation right there is what somebody watching today needs to get you moving and get you going and get off the plateau, perhaps that you've gotten stuck on and get moving forward again in God's plan for your life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, here's the thing. When you commit to do this, uh, you know, of believing and obeying. When you do this, then you commit God to perform his word, but he won't commit to perform it until you do your part. So you have faith. Yes, you believe. Okay. So you obey. And then when you're walking in that, what happens? Then God moves. God comes on the scene and miracles start happening. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me give you an example. Every Christian uh, believes God for abundance, but how many Christians are obeying God for abundance? Now think about that again. I mean, all kinds of Christians are believing God for abundance to get real excited about it, but how many of them are obeying God for abundance? Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Well, now, Pastor Stephen, I just believe God's going to bless me a different way. I don't need to do that. Your, your, you, your, your faith will not work beyond the word. Mm, praise God. Don't think you can outsmart God. Praise God. Don't think there is another door to come through outside of the door of biblical obedience. Mm. As long as the earth remains, Seed time and harvest shall never cease. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I don't really believe in that. Oh, how'd you get those tomatoes? Well, I went out of the grocery store. Where did they get them from? Well, a farmer. Where did the farmer get them from? Seed sown into the ground produced a harvest. So we, we, can't, we can't just believe, but then not work or obey. That's what I mean by the word work. Obey biblical principles and then think, oh, it's just all going to happen anyhow. no. We have to be like Abraham. You have to have Abrahamic type faith. He heard God speak to him. Many people get excited about that. That's, and that is something to be excited about, but that's just the beginning. You hear, now you believe. Okay. Mary did the same thing. She heard, she believed. Blessed is her who has believed. Okay. So you hear, you believe. And now there must be obedience. There must be obedience that's attached. And then when these things start lining up, now you've committed God to his word and he'll do what he said he would do. Let's go all the way with God. Let's commit all the way with the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.
Obedience, really, if you look at the life of Abraham, that was the stronghold of his faith. He would do whatever God tell it would tell him to do. Abraham, uh, I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac. The next morning, he's up early, <laughs> packing, loading up really early. I mean, you'd think he's going on a, like a vacation or something like that. I mean, he's piling up the wood and everything. He's got everything ready to go early the next morning. Do you see that? He believed God. He believed, now, he knows God's going to do something because God has promised him that this great legacy is coming through his son. So he has already worked it out in his heart through faith that God's going to raise him from the dead. Even if he's burned up and there's nothing but ashes, somehow God's going to take the ashes and he's going to just put him all back together again because God has told me he's going to do this through my son. So he's just like, let's just go ahead and get this done. And early the next morning, he's ready to roll with Isaac with him. Mm -mm. Faith, yes, believing and also obeying. Praise God. Faith is a living force received from the living word that produces living proofs. I see some proofs coming forth in your life that's going to cause some people just to go quiet for a few days when they see what God has done in your life. Mm -mm. They're going to have to sit back and reevaluate their theology, and they're probably going to come to a conclusion, you know what, I think I want to get in on this blessing. Mm -mm. Praise God. This is why you must be a, a strict adherer to the Word of God concerning God's format. See, you cannot please God without faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. When you believe and obey the truth, because the Scripture can't be broken, then God is committed to perform. And when God starts performing, watch out. Nothing can hold back His strong arm. Praise God. My friends, it's time for miracles. It's time for you to get unstuck and move forward with faith force. Glory to God. You don't need to move Mount Everest. God hasn't called you to do that. I'm sure your mountain is a lot smaller. It could be, could be a $40 light bill. Don't quite have enough extra to take care of that, okay? But you can move whatever it might be that uh, will take you forward in to the fulfillment of your glorious destiny. And you're going to need your faith. This is why you have to get real uh, fluent with understanding how it works and be consistent with it. You know, that's what scientists look for when they're looking for the establishment of laws and, you know, things that they can be uh, working with. What do, they, what do they look for? Consistency, where you can take it back to the lab and replicate it and get the same results over and over when we do it the same way. They know, okay, now we have, we na we have a consistency. We can get behind this uh, this law or this theory that most likely is a law. Why? Because we're getting these same results over and over again. And that's what your faith can produce. And that's the fascinating thing when you realize, hey, God helped me get that, that bill paid off. Wow. Then you start thinking, wait a minute, if it worked for that, why would I just sit back and cruise when let's, let's tackle something else and use our faith now to move forward. And so that, that, then the normal, boring uh, life, it's over with. It's all over. Why? Because you realize, I, I've got it. God has given me the measure of faith. It'll work for me just like it works for anybody else. Praise God.
Please lift your hands. Father, I pray for those that are watching today that they have a good understanding, an illuminated understanding of the force that lies within them, that they will take that measure and begin to use it. Many already have, and they have achieved literally miraculous results. But Father, there's more. You have greater assignments for them, and uh, uh, they've had a little refresher. Now it's time to make another strong push. I thank you for clarity towards that push. I thank you, I thank you that they know exactly what to do right now in this moment of their next push forward. Now, Father, we give you praise. I speak blessing over everyone watching, listening, and hearing this message. In Jesus' name, say amen. Praise God. If you are watching today, but you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know, Jesus knows, Jesus knows that you can't, you can't be who you're really called to be until you come into him. This is the reason why we have, we have men wanting to be women and women wanting to have biological changes made so they can become a man or this or that or the other and all of this confusion. Why? Destiny only begins in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, your destiny or what you think it can be can be such a distorted, convoluted, uh, crazy world that it could be so crazy. It could even kill you. And you can think, Oh, that's, that's destiny. No, that's not destiny. It's only found in Jesus. If you don't know him, come to him right now. He'll save you. He'll give you his life. And now you'll be on the right path. Pray this after me, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my heart. I give you my life. Save me right now. Wash all of my sins away. Write my name in your book of life. Step into my life, Jesus, and lead me and guide me from this day forward and help me to fulfill my glorious destiny. In your name I pray. Amen. Welcome. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome to the kingdom of of God's Son, the kingdom of light. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I rejoice with you and your salvation. And all the viewers rejoice with you and your salvation. Praise God. I, by the way, I'd love to hear from you. Those that just prayed that prayer, email me, contact stephenbrooks.org. I love reading. Just a brief testimony. You gave your heart to Jesus. I love reading those testimonies. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Now, let's honor the Lord by receiving Holy Communion. I want to encourage you, grab some unleavened bread, grab some grape juice. Let's take communion together. Praise God, praise God. The Spirit of God is moving mightily, mightily, mightily in your life. <laughs> Woo! Somebody got mad at the devil today because you realized the devil's been hoodwinking you the whole time. You thought God was doing something mysterious and maybe holy through this horrible thing you're going through. No, it's nothing but the dirty devil. Nothing but the devil. Praise God. Amen. Recognize it for what it is and call it for what it is. Praise God. Mm -mm. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the bread, the juice. We bless it. We consecrate it. 
That is, we set it apart as being holy. Now through this prayer, and we thank you that this is the body and the blood of Jesus. And as we receive it, we are receiving his flesh and his blood. Thank you, Father God. We thank you, Father, as we receive the Lord's body. We thank you for the shield of faith that we use it today to just quench all these crazy, discouraging thoughts. We move forward. We thank you, Father. We guard our faith and we feed it and we expand upon the measure that you have given us to become stronger. Even as Paul the Apostle said, ever increasing faith. Father, we thank you that we're not done. You have given us grace and time to accomplish more and we will stay busy. And we thank you for helping us to move forward through the force of faith. Father, we receive the body of Jesus now. Thank you. Amen. Let's receive. Within three months, you'll have a great testimony. If you believe that, shout amen and say it. Say it within three months. I'll have a great testimony. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We're so thankful, Father, for Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, dying for us when we were still sinners. And so we thank you, Father, that we have been saved by grace through faith. We thank you for this incredible gift. Thank you, Father God, for the blood of Jesus. We ask that if we have committed any sin, you would wash all of our sins away, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. Help us to walk in love. Help us to walk in faith. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Don't waste another moment. You know what to do. Move forward with the force of of faith. Thanks for watching. I'll see you back next time. Bye-bye.